Good morning, Greensburg Church of the Nazarene family. I guess it's good afternoon now. Yeah, good afternoon. Uh, I, I wanted to re-record the sermon from this morning uh, simply because um, I was going to live stream. We did our drive-in service, and thank you to everyone who came out for that. Uh, the Lord was with us, and it's such a great time of worship together. Um, but I want to re-record the sermon because I know some of you were not able to make it. And uh, so, yeah, I want to pretty much re-record it for you, and also so I can push it out to the YouTube and some of the other platforms that we use. So if you have your Bibles, if you would turn with me to the book of John, John chapter 11, uh, that's what we're going to be looking at today, uh, John chapter 11, and as you're turning there, I just want to tell you a little bit about my favorite band. Uh, my favorite band is called Red, um, and if you, if you don't know who Red is, just know they are loud. Um, they are not a quiet band, they're, just, they're, they're loud. Um, I guess that says something about my personality. But anyway, uh, one one of my favorite one of the songs that I've recently been listening to of theirs is called "Unstoppable," and I'm not sure if this is what the band's meaning behind the song is. But the re my understanding of the song is this: is that it's talking about uh, who we are as believers, being when we're spirit filled, and uh, the 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 lyrics of the song kind of go like this: It says, "I'm unstoppable. I'm running with no breaks." I'm invincible. Yeah, I win every single game. I'm so powerful. I don't need batteries to play. I'm so confident. Yeah, I'm unstoppable today. Now, of course, the only reason that you or I could say that, even being filled with the Spirit, is, it has nothing to do with you or I. Um, it's because of the Spirit of God living inside of us. It's His power at work in us. It's His grace at work in us. Um, that's why we can walk around saying, I'm I'm unstoppable today. It's because the Spirit of God is in us. Uh, and it's the Spirit of the God who is all-knowing, all-powerful, and omnipresent. Um, and he's a God that's never caught off guard by anything. Uh, but the question that comes up is, if God is all-powerful and all-knowing and all those things, doesn't that kind of erase our idea of free will? Um, free will being the, the, the ability for you and I to make decisions that are contrary to the will of God. Um, and when we make those decisions that are contrary to his will, does it mess up God's plan? Um, I just said God's not caught off guard or unaware of anything. Um, so, but how does that play into free will and stuff like that? Um, so we're, the passage we're looking at today is John chapter 11, and the sermon is titled, uh, The Dead Man. And the question we're trying to answer as we look at John 11 is, what can stop God from moving? So let me read the text to you. Uh, John chapter 11, starting at verses 17, and I'm going to read through 45. It says, On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, If you had been here... My brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, Your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live, even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she told him, I believe you are the Christ, the Son of God, who was to come into the world. 
And after she had said this, she went back and called her sister aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her noticed, she got up and went out. They followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then, Jesus, then the Jews said, See how he loved him. But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind men have kept this man from dying? Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been in there for four days. Then Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me. But I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out! And the dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, Take off the grave clothes and let him go. Therefore, many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and had seen, him, seen what Jesus did put their faith in him. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Turn the page here. So Mary and Martha, they had sent for Jesus um, when Lazarus was still just sick. He was, he was very sick, and, and, and if something didn't happen, he was going to die. Uh, but Martha and Mary knew Jesus. They knew the power that he had. And they knew if they could get Jesus to where their brother was, Jesus could do something. So they sent word for Jesus. When, when word gets to Jesus, Jesus doesn't pop up immediately and run to the rescue of Lazarus. Instead, he, he stays right where he's at. And I, it's not because he's cold and callous. It's not because he, he was like, oh, no, never mind. No, Jesus had a plan. Uh, understand, Jesus is God, God in the flesh. And in this moment, God had a plan. And Jesus knew exactly what he was going to do. Now, in the meantime, before Jesus gets there, a group of Jews go to Martha and Mary. They're kind of to, to comfort and mourn with them. Um, and understand, in, in the Gospel of John, when it talks about the Jews, like it just clumps together these random group of ethnic people, um, it's referring to a group of people who are openly hostile toward Jesus and his ministry. Uh, if you, again, study throughout the Gospel of John, you'll see that there's never a good interaction when it says the Jews are interacting with Jesus. Um, it's just, it doesn't work out. Um, as a matter of fact, these Jews were the very Jews that were plotting to kill Jesus at this point. And the plan was, uh, well, if you go back to the beginning of the book, or this chapter of cha uh, John 11, you'll see that the disciples um, were actually, this, they were afraid to come back to Bethany where Lazarus was at because of the Jews. And, and this 
hostile environment, this hostile group of people that wanted to take Jesus' life. Um, it, as a matter of fact, it, the, that part, first part of the scene kind of ends with Thomas hilarious, hilariously kind of saying, well, I guess we'll all go with him and die together then. Um, so that was kind of his mood going into it. But could a hostile environment stop God from moving? I mean, that's kind of the question we're, we're looking at. at we say this passage, it, what can stop God from moving? Will, will a hostile environment keep Jesus from doing and performing what it is he's he, performing his plan? And so as we look at the text, that's the kind of the question we're trying to answer here. All right, verses 20 through 27, it says, When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. But Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she told him. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who was to come into the world. So Martha has to be at this point, and along with her sister Mary, disappointed that Jesus doesn't show up on time. They sent word to him that their brother was very sick, and they believed that if Jesus got, in front, got there in time, that he would save Lazarus. Because up until this point, no one, you know, Martha knows that no one dies in the presence of Jesus. So she's trying to get Jesus there. So she has to be disappointed, and it comes out in her statement of, Lord, if you'd only been here, my brother would have lived. But while she's disappointed that Jesus doesn't make it an arrival in time, Martha doesn't lose faith. She, she still believes that Jesus is who he's claiming to be. She still believes that, that there's great power at work in there. She may not fully comprehend that, and, but she still believes and so Jesus, when Jesus comes to her, he says to her, he, Jesus goes to Martha, and he literally tells Martha, this is exactly what I'm going to do. He looks at Martha and says, your brother will rise again. That's his response to, if you'd only been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Jesus' response is, your brother will rise again. But Martha misunderstands that. She, she thinks that Jesus is just trying to, to speak comfort to her. Uh, it's, it's like if you go to a funeral and... And you've either said it to somebody or someone said it to you. It's of, well, I know, I know it hurts right now that they're gone, but no, you're going to see them again. Um, it's a statement that's full of truth, and it's a hope of, of those who believe. It's looking forward to that day where, where the day of resurrection where Jesus comes back and he calls all those who believe in him to be with him, right? And it talks about throughout the New Testament of, Bodies coming up from the ground and meeting Jesus in the air and stuff like that. This is the day of resurrection that Mar Martha believes Jesus is referring to. This last day where, where the dead in Christ shall rise. But that's not what Jesus is talking about here. She completely misunderstands what Jesus is saying. Jesus is literally telling her, your brother, give me five minutes and your brother will rise again. And she's, she's, thinking, she's thinking beyond because Lazarus just died, and, and, and to her, that's an unchangeable fact. But Jesus looks at her, and he, realizing that she's probably misunderstanding him, tries to explain. He says, Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. Jesus is God in the flesh. Uh, the very God whose breath gave life to all of creation. 
was standing right in front of her. And he, he looks at Martha and says, I am the resurrection and life, and he who believes in me will live, even though he dies, and whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? He lays out the fact in his identity that I am God, the author of life, the resurrection. I, the resurrection that you're talking about, that you think this is long day off, that, the resurrection is standing right in front of you. Do you believe? And Mary responds, or Martha responds in verse 27, Yes, Lord, I believe you are the Christ, the Son of God, who was to come into the world. Martha says yes, that she believes this, and, and I think maybe in her heart she believes this, but there, there's a disconnect between, I don't think she fully comprehends what Jesus is saying. She, she still doesn't. And as you read the rest of the story, you'll see that. She still doesn't understand that Jesus is saying, I am the resurrection, I'm standing right here in front of you. All right, let's keep going. Verses 28 through 35. And after she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he is deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, they replied. Jesus wept. Mary is completely devastated by the death of Lazarus. It the way you read her, her, her in this passage is she is just emotionally drained and distraught. Her whole world has been upended by her brother's death. Uh, she is kind of stuck in that moment. And so when, she, when, she see, when Jesus calls her and she goes to him, when she sees him, she, she pretty much says the same thing Martha does. Is, Lord, if you'd only been here. You know, so so she, she, her faith matches that of her sisters. Of, Lord, if you'd only been here. But because of, of where her heart was and the things that were happening in Mary's life at that moment, there was nothing else. Her hurt was so intense. The pain was so real. She was so devastated by Lazarus' death that the only thing she could do was run and cry out to Jesus and collapse at his feet. That was, that was all that her strength would allow her to do, was to come to Jesus and cry out to him. And that's exactly what she does. And then it says, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who come along with her, also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. And then he weeps. God in the flesh cries. But he doesn't cry for the reason you're thinking. He's not crying because he's sad that his friend is dead. That doesn't make any sense because Jesus, at the beginning of this chapter, stayed put because he knew it, what it was he was going to do. Jesus knew what was going to happen. He knew what his plan was, and he knew it was going to come to fulfillment. So he's not crying because Lazarus is dead. And he's not even, he's not even crying because he's seeing the hurt, that's sort of the hurt of the people around him. It, that might play into an, to an effect, but what we, we have to understand here, when it talks about uh, Jesus' emotions in this passage, in verse 33 it says, When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews had come along with her, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. This is one of those times where 
the Bible was, especially the New Testament, was originally written in Greek. And what we have with, that we read from is, is, has been translated from the Greek into the English. And there's sometimes when we translate it from the original text into our English that things get lost or don't quite get interpreted in the way that they should. And this is one of those instances. Because when we read this passage in English, it, that, that, that explanation of Jesus crying because he's, he's sad about Lazarus' death, it makes sense. But if you look at the original Greek, the Greek is saying that in this moment, Jesus is angry. When it says he's deeply moved in spirit and troubled, and the Greek means Jesus was angry. He was upset. And it, ha it wasn't... It, and he, was he was angry and upset for the reason that God always gets angry and upset. And that's because of sin. Because sin brings death. Sin brings destruction. Sin brings brokenness and hurt. And, God, and Jesus knows this. And, and, and here Jesus is standing at the tomb of his friend who has died because of sin. He's standing there watching the results of what, what this death has caused. Sin brought death and all the pain that comes with it. Jesus, Jesus is weeping, weeping here because he's so angry with sin. He's so upset with sin that it's causing him to cry. Continuing on, verse 36. And then Jesus said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? And that verse 36 is why we try and interpret it as Jesus, as Jesus trying to... Um, that Jesus is feeling sorry for, for his friend dying. We, we, we try to understand him crying for that reason because of verse 36. But what we have to understand about verse 36 is, look, look who's saying this. It's, then the Jews said, see how he loved him. These are the Jews that were hostile toward Jesus, that wanted want nothing to do with him or his ministry. Matter of fact, Jesus, whenever these Jews would talk about him, Jesus put no stock in what they had to say about him because he knew that then he knew their hearts and so when these jews look at jesus they say see how he loved him this is kind of an insult to jesus they're, they're kind of looking at jesus saying what well, you're, you're just powerless like we are you got here too late there's nothing you can do about it and he's crying because he loved his friend lazarus and he's powerless at this point to do anything about it of course then there's a flip side in verse 37 the this this shows you you know, how, how we as humans work in our fallen condition. We, we tend to split up into categories. There's those who empathize and sympathize with us, and then there are those who are just cold. And verse 37, are the Jews who are just cold, it says, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? They're saying, yeah, maybe if you got there in time, your friend wouldn't have died. Right? If you, if you had showed up when you were supposed to show up, maybe, maybe you would, he wouldn't be dead here. There's no... Yeah. You're crying because you couldn't get here fast enough. Uh, so they're criticizing Jesus for not being quick enough. Moving on. Jesus once more deeply moved. Jesus once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a, a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man. But this time there is a bad odor, for he has been dead, been there for four days. Uh, that four days is very important, and uh, we don't fully understand the significance of it, but, but the Jews in this, in, in this time period, it was a big deal. Because they, there was this belief that they had that when a person died, the soul separated from the body. 
And for three days, that soul would, would, would hover around where, the, where its body was resting in hopes that the soul could re-enter into the body and take up life again. But after four days, once the spirit realized it was, that, it was hopeless, then that, that, that soul would, would just leave forever. So that, what that four days is signifying, especially to the Jew reading this, it's, it's G, Lazarus is indeed dead. It's been four days. He's, he's, he's gone. There's nothing else. And then, then we have Martha who says, by this time there's a bad odor for he's been there four days. You have to understand that the Jews at this time period, they didn't embalm their bodies like we do now and, and, and some of the other cultures around them. What they did was they, they wrapped the body in, in linen cloths and they mixed it with some perfume to kind of try to help mask the, the, the scent of decomposition. Um, but after four days, you know, in, 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 especially in that climate, after four days, uh, it, didn't matter. it didn't matter how much perfume you had. It didn't matter how much Febreze you sprayed or even Axe body spray. It would not be enough to mask the scent of death that would come from this decaying corpse. And Martha knew this. And she knew if Jesus rolled back that tomb that there was going to be a big whiff of something coming out that door. But Jesus responds to Martha by saying, Did I not tell you that if you believed you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I know that you always hear me. But I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he said this, Lazarus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out! And he has to call Lazarus by name here. Remember, Jesus is God, the author of life, the resurrection. So think about this. Had Jesus not spoke Lazarus' name by name, if he had just said, come out, every dead body in that valley would have come walking out of the tomb. That, was the, that is the power of life inside of that, that God has. Remember, it was his breath that gave life to all, be, all beings. Uh, so he calls Lazarus by name. He says, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out. His hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Jesus did the miracle of bringing Lazarus back to life. All right, so now, now we, we're going, trying to answer our question. And the question that we were trying to answer by looking at this passage is, what can stop God from moving? Um, the answer is obvious. And, and most of you watching this and listening to this, you probably already know what the answer is, and you've been wanting to scream it out. But because of we're, we're studying this and also kind of looking at the sovereignty of God versus the free will of man and interacting with it, when it's important for us to stop and review. Okay, let's, let's review what happened. Jesus, being fully human and fully God, after waiting a couple days of hearing the news about Lazarus, decides he is going to go to Bethany where Lazarus is, into a hostile environment, knowing it's not far from Jerusalem, and Jerusalem is full of people who want him dead. Did going into a potential hostile environment stop God from moving? No. Jesus, who is God, did it anyway for the glory of God. What about Martha? Martha believed that if, G that if Jesus had only been there, he could have done something. And then when Jesus explains to her, asks her, do you believe me? He explains that I am the resurrection. I am life standing right here in front of you. 
And Jesus is explained to her that he's going to raise her brother again. Just give me five minutes. She misunderstands what he's saying. She, doesn't, her, she, she has faith, but she doesn't comprehend what God is trying to do and trying to say to her. Did a misunderstanding of faith stop God from moving? No. Jesus did it anyway for the glory of God. What about Mary right here? Her brother is dead, and it's, it's rocked her whole world. It's devastated her. The only thing that Mary can do after hearing this news is fall at the feet of Jesus and rest in his presence and, and cry out to him. She was stuck in that moment. But, does being, but, if, but did the weight of that moment, did the heaviness of what was going on in Mary's life, did that stop God from moving? No. Jesus did it anyway for the glory of God. What about the Jews who didn't believe in Jesus, didn't want Jesus anywhere around anyone, who, who didn't, to, didn't acknowledge that Jesus' power was coming from God, they did everything to discredit Jesus that they could. They were plotting his death. They just didn't believe. Did the unbelief stop God from moving? No. Jesus did it anyway for the glory of God. What about Lazarus? Lazarus was dead. It doesn't get no worse than dead. He was in the ground for four days, stinking, decomposing probably partially at this point. But did that stop God from working? No, Jesus did it anyway for the glory of God. Friend, I want to tell you that nothing can stop God from moving. Nothing in your life can stop him from moving in your life. Because the truth is, God has been moving and working in your life since before you were formed in the womb. The only reason you haven't noticed, it, or maybe that your situation looks bleak and hopeless is because you have been exercising your free will to choose not to believe in him. You see, our, our decision, that, that gift of love that God's given us to be able to choose right from wrong for ourselves, when we choose the opposite of God, it does not stop the power of God. It does not stop his plan. If, it, if that were so, then God would not be God. He wouldn't be all-powerful and almighty. That would make us all-powerful and almighty because our decision-making ruins God's plans. It doesn't work that way. No. Your free will and your, your ability to choose affects whether you see God moving or acting or not. See, Jesus said it to Martha right here in verse 40. It said, Then Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you believed you would see the glory of God? Faith, faith is in Jesus is what enables us to see the power of God at work in our lives. That's what enables you to see the glory of God happening all around you. Even though you may be like Martha, misunderstand it in the moment. Your faith will enable you to look back at some point and see, oh, you know what, I didn't get this at the time, but you know what, God was working and moving there. You may, may be like Mary, and all you can do is throw yourself at the feet of Jesus and because the weight of the moment is too heavy, but your faith, your faith in Jesus will enable you to see that God's right there with you, loving you and holding you until, the moment, until this storm passes by.
That could be a song. Do you believe? Do you believe? Do you believe? I mean, actually believe that Jesus is the resurrection and the life. Do you believe that he has the power to save you now because his love is greater than your sin? Do you believe that God is going to move in your heart, in your life, in your family, in your community, and in your church? Do you believe? Let's pray together. Dear God, I pray, Lord, that for those who are watching, that they would be able to answer that question of, do you believe? Lord, maybe their faith is rattled because of things happening around them right now. Maybe they're struggling because the weight of the moment's too heavy and all they can do is cry out to you, Lord. Maybe they're looking at their life thinking and seeing all the bad choices and decisions they made and, and thinking there is no way that I can get through all this. There's no way that God could love me through all the things that I've done, Lord. But Lord, there you are standing and asking the question, do you believe? Lord, help them to know that through faith in you, they will see the glory of God. Through faith in you, they'll sense the, the comfort and the peace that comes to us when we mourn and, and all that can do is cry out to you because it, from, from your spirit coming and, and being with us and working through the lives of other people that you place around us to, to be your hands and feet in those moments. Oh Lord, if they say yes to faith, help them to know that they're, they're that there is no sin greater than your love for them. That your blood can wash away every stain. God, help them to understand that in this moment of their faith, they, they may say yes, they believe, but they may, not, they may be misunderstanding it and not sure and confused, God. But Lord, help them to know that, that their confusion and they're not fully comprehending does not stop you from acting in their life. Oh, God, give us strength in our faith so we can believe. In your name I pray, amen. God bless and see you guys next week.